Yes, welcome to episode 48 of the Collecting Dead Man podcast. Our Valentine's Day episode here on the podcast. And I want to thank you all for joining me here for another week of Talking Undertaker merchandise, memories, and more. I am your host, as always, Stephen Zeman. And if you enjoy what I do here each and every week, please subscribe to this podcast on your preferred podcast platform. I am available everywhere from Apple iTunes to Spotify and everything in between. And when you are done subscribing to this podcast, please leave me a five-star review where you can. And follow me on Instagram at Collecting Deadman and on Twitter at Collect Up Dead. I hope you enjoyed that um, intro song from WWE's St. Valentine's Day Massacre pay-per-view back in 1999. We will get into that uh, when we start Tales from the Grave this week. Uh, just a fun Valentine's Day episode. I know last week we talked about um, Valentine's Day cards with The Undertaker on it and Undertaker sayings. Get more into that later on as well. But just some podcast news, the um, watch-along schedule is still moving along as planned. I have one um, tentatively planned for this weekend with Canaanite 10 to continue the look back at Undertaker and Kane's um, story. And one tentatively planned for next week continuing with Randy Turco as we take a look back at the Undertaker's hardcore championship victory at Vengeance 2001 against Rob Van Dam. And plenty more to come in the meantime as well, just getting the schedule ironed out, as they say. But, uh, you know, just subscribe to the podcast, leave me a five-star review, follow me on social media where you can, and let's jump right into episode 48 and the special Valentine's Day episode, as we do each and every week with Tales from the Grave. Tales from the Grave. Tales from the Grave is where I talk about my favorite video game memory or Undertaker memory, any figure of uh, game hunting memory to go along with it, and any Undertaker and figure news to round out the whole segment that has happened in the past week or so. Now my favorite Undertaker memory ties in with the uh, intro song we heard at the beginning of this episode, the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, because what better way to, you know, tie in Valentine's Day uh, than with a look back at The Undertaker's involvement in this one-off WWF pay-per-view back in 1999. Uh, this pay-per-view was the, the build-up, is the blow-off between Austin and McMahon, the steel cage match, um, you know, with, you saw the debut of The Big Show here to join the corporation, uh, you had that uh, amazing um, bump off the cage from Vince onto the announce table. You know, just the shenanigans between the Austin-McMahon rivalry and everything we got during this time of the Attitude Era perfectly summed up in this main event match. But uh, I set my sights this week on The Undertaker's involvement. And The Undertaker's involvement is not in a wrestling role in this pay-per-view, but more as the he's the leader of the Ministry of Darkness here. It's only less than a month of his return. You know, people have seen this dramatic shift in his character. Um, you know, he's recruiting new people to the ministry. 
he's doing the sacrifices. He's already sacrificed uh, Dennis Knight to become Midian, uh, Mabel to become Viscera. He's got the Acolytes now. So the ministry is starting to take form. It's starting to take shape of what we know um, what the Ministry of Darkness becomes. Um, so he sets his sights now on the corporation. This is the the pay-per-view that, that starts putting the gears in motion for WrestleMania. And he has his Ministry of Darkness attack the big boss man. It's the corporations, you know, it's their enforcer, it's their heavy hitter. So he's he Undertaker as the uh, omnificent power as you would call it. He's the one in the background controlling the strings, the puppet master for the Ministry of Darkness. Uh, he sets uh, his sights and the Ministry sights on the corporation's enforcer to weaken Vince McMahon because the Ministry's goal at this time was to obtain power uh, of the WWF, to obtain control so that uh, Undertaker can have the World Championship, that Vince can be out of the picture, that Undertaker can rule the corp the corporation, the ministry, and everything about the company. So he sets his sights on the boss man. He sicks the ministry on him to weaken the corporation, to weaken Vince, especially with Vince's mind on his match uh, with Austin later on. It's, it's something to give a weakened blow to him, and that sets the sights for a Hell in a Cell match, at WrestleMania, this gets, you know, it, we eventually get the formation that Shane McMahon uh, and The Undertaker join forces to bring down Vince McMahon and his corporation and those loyal to Vince. Uh, but then we get Vince as the higher power in a few months later and everything falls apart from there. But this is the pay-per-view that pushes The Undertaker and Vince McMahon to go head-to-head uh, when he he takes the first blow against the corporation here, and um, I didn't watch this on pay per view as a kid. I know I've said my first pay per view was WrestleMania 15, but you know I I saw you know the Undertaker uh, on Raw, and you know they give you the highlights of what happened on the pay per view, and you know you you as a kid especially. Uh, loving him so much, you didn't want to miss anything that uh, may have been, you know, beneficial. Like if you missed a match or anything, but I, I was lucky I didn't miss a match. You know, he was just there as you know in the background pulling the strings for the ministry. He did appear. I remember him appearing there to give the orders to attack the boss man. Um, those things like that. So I remember that as a kid. You know, getting ready for WrestleMania. And although we know the boss man match, you know, doesn't become the greatest match in Undertaker's career, especially at WrestleMania, it's still a fun Attitude Era moment, you know, especially you get the ending with him hanging the boss man at the end of the Hell in the Cell match. But this is the pay-per-view that sets everything in motion here. Uh, the Valentine's Day Massacre. And uh, what better... On the the day of love, then the Undertaker talking about sacrifice and um, obtaining power of the World Wrestling Federation. Uh, so I just thought that that fun song in the intro, and you know this memory of watching the pay per view on the network and Peacock, 
uh, all tying together between the Valentine's Day holiday and talking a little bit more about those Valentine's Day cards from last uh, week talking about it you know I did find some uh, examples online of Undertaker's sayings on these uh, Valentine's Day cards you know these corny uh, Valentine's Day card sayings you know they have him grouped with you know uh, you're you're the champion of my heart. You know it can go to all these different superstars, but of course you know they give Undertaker and all these other superstars these corny lines. So you're the champion of my heart. Uh, I won't let you rest in peace. Uh, that's a that's a good one. At least that one ties into the Undertaker character a little bit. Uh, but you know like, these are just like fun little sayings, and you know just so like cringe worthy and everything. Uh, especially, you know, seeing it with the Undertaker's face on these uh, Valentine's Day cards. Some of them, they just have his signature and his photo on it. Um, but yeah, just little pieces of fun Valentine's Day memorabilia to tie in um, with the Valentine's Day holiday. And some uh, action figure news, not just Undertaker action figure news, but action figure news in general from Mattel. Um, this podcast drops Friday night, uh, Saturday afternoon. It looks like Mattel is going to be uh, revealing the February reveals for the new Legends, uh, Elites, Ultimates, and uh, the next uh, lines of uh, waves for the figures. So if there is any Undertaker figure news that come out of these reveals... Uh, besides, you know, they probably will give you updated shots of Legends 14 with Mean Marcalis. Uh, but anything of noteworthy information of any new Undertaker figures and any new lines or waves, uh, be sure to check out my social media as I will be retweeting um, any tweets that come with the uh, reveals tomorrow. And uh, be sure to uh, listen to the podcast next week as I will probably take a deep dive into what Mattel has revealed for us uh, Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening. Uh, but that is the only figure news I see here in this past week. Um, you know that the Undertaker Ringside Collectibles exclusive has been uh, postponed until early April, uh, as has the Top Picks Basic Undertaker. Both have been uh, pushed back to early to mid-April, so they are Probably having some shipping delays, as is everybody else in the country and around the world. These shipping delays coming out of China and stuck in the ports with the uh, shipping uh, containers and everything else. So The Undertaker has fallen victim to a shipping delay. Uh, but that is the only other Undertaker figure news here. Undertaker news. Plenty of Undertaker news and people talking about him these past week. Um, Undertaker uh, is the newest addition on Ronda Rousey's ESPN Plus show, Rowdy's Places. Um, they It is an 18-minute episode, it looks like, where he, uh, with Ronda Rousey and The Undertaker, talk about his career, his memorable matches, moments, entitled The Greatest Showman. And that is really a... Uh, a good fitting title for The Undertaker. He really is the greatest showman that WWE has produced and it's all thanks to Undertaker and his ability to pull off this character for 30 years 
and uh, the ability of Vince McMahon to create such an iconic character and just finding the right talent to take it from point A to point B. But uh, WWE posted a short clip where he recreated throwing Mankind off the Hell in the Cell. And it's just a fun short clip, him interacting with Ronda Rousey, uh, putting a Mankind mask on a dummy, and tossing him off like a, a, a high-story balcony to uh, recreate the fall and uh, how Undertaker felt watching him and watching the uh, incident take place. Um, Apollo Crews uh, gave an interview where they asked him what his thoughts on The Undertaker and he recalled always having uh, fun, cool backstage conversations with him. You know, whenever he got the chance to interact with The Undertaker, uh, he said it was nothing but an amazing experience. And him witnessing his entrance at Madison Square Garden when they had a uh, Madison Square Garden tour Undertaker was a part of that uh, and said he had said that he made him forget that he was a WWE superstar he felt like he was a uh, a kid again to um, witness the Undertaker have an entrance at Madison Square Garden and you see here a lot of these wrestlers uh, bring up that notion of feeling like a kid again while watching the Undertaker's entrance or forgetting where they are. I know Stone Cold said that to Undertaker on the Broken Skull Sessions that when Austin witnessed Undertaker's entrance so many times he forgets where he was. He forgets he's in a wrestling ring waiting to uh, fight him. It just takes you to a different place in your mind and just experiencing um, his entrance firsthand is definitely something um, that a lot of superstars have recalled feeling the same kind of emotion, uh, emotions. Um, Godfather uh, revealed that um, in order to find women for his whole train, that he and The Undertaker would pick up uh, women from strip clubs. And um, this is not surprising from Godfather. Uh, it's just a funny story that Godfather talks about The Undertaker and him going to strip clubs to find women for the whole train. Uh, because, of course, of course Godfather and The Undertaker would hit up strip clubs to find women for the whole train. So gotta love Godfather. He always has great stories with The Undertaker. You can tell they're the best of friends with that. Um, Chris Jericho has said that he believes he has taken on um, The Undertaker role in AEW calling that because whenever the Undertaker every time Undertaker does something it's impactful and it means something he's been he's a benefit to have in the locker room he's a leader and he's very experienced he can tell guys and girls what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong and he's just a good person to have on your roster that's how Chris Jericho um, describes The Undertaker. That's how he describes The Undertaker's benefit to a locker room. And he feels that since he um, he feels like he is in that role in AEW's locker room to help uh, talent um, do what's right and what's wrong, telling them what's, what's going on, guide them in a sort of direction. So it's, it's always nice to hear you know, a fellow legend in Chris Jericho talk so highly and give so much praise to The Undertaker, naming a specific role after The Undertaker. Um, 
you know, it's uh, uh, nothing but, you know, it's just going back to The Undertaker's role as a locker room leader in WWE for so many years, for 25 plus years he was. And, you know, just having that rub off on other locker rooms and other companies really, you know, means something and shows the level of uh, respect that these other legends have for The Undertaker. And two more pieces of Undertaker news. Booker T believes that The Undertaker will come back for one more match in front of a crowd. Uh, Diverting from what he said just a month ago, thinking that he would not come back for another match. But now he believes he will. He believes it will be at um, WrestleMania, but he doesn't know if it's going to be this year or the following year. So uh, Booker T is all over the place. And finally, Spike Dudley, while talking to uh, Chris Van Vallee on his podcast, talked about the experience of being chokeslammed outside the ring by The Undertaker and during the hardcore uh, championship match, saying how Undertaker was hesitant to chokeslam him out of the ring. He wanted to make sure that um, he was protected, that he was doing every, every king, everything he can to be protective of him, to make sure that he wouldn't get injured, to make sure, you know, they, uh, he said Undertaker pulled out a crash pad in rehearsal to make sure that he can control Spike Dudley uh, while performing the choke slam. Uh, you know, Spike said he really had to beg The Undertaker to pull off this spot because Undertaker was very hesitant to do it to him. Uh, he didn't want to injure him, he didn't want to do anything that may hurt his, uh, hurt Spike's career. Since Spike was uh, relatively new coming into the company, he didn't want to derail anything. Uh, But Spike said he had nothing but praise and admiration for The Undertaker, especially the way he treats uh, other talent and uh, seeing how protective he is of his opponents. And that that really puts the rest of all the other people naysaying about how Undertaker, um, you know, just how they call Undertaker unprotective, or, you know, just taking liberties on other people. You know, I'll, there's so many more positive stories of wrestlers saying how protective he was of them than people trying to negate all that and say that he isn't. So it's always good to hear stories like this from people showing Undertaker how caring and protective he is of these people's careers because he holds uh, their career literally in the palm of his hand with the choke slams, the tombstones, you know, anything can go wrong and he wants to make sure that they are protected and that their careers are unaffected as well. So quite a hefty uh, Undertaker news this in this past week. A lot of people talking about him, a lot of people reminiscing about him. Um, just waiting for that big announcement if he's going in the Hall of Fame this year, if he's going to appear at WrestleMania this year. You know, it's already February. We only got less than two months until the event. Uh, see if anything breaks in this next week or so. Um, but yeah, that is it for Tales from the Grave. Uh, digging up Dead Man is collapsible this week. No weekly purchases, nothing has come through the mail. Uh, has not been able to find anything in the stores uh, as pertains Undertaker. You know, the Ultimate Editions are starting to hit targets, but of course I got mine offering site collectibles, so no need to uh, pick that up in the stores. 
but uh, nothing in by way of weekly purchases this week. So we move right on to Taker's Mark, where we continue our look back at The Undertaker's Elimination Chamber matches. Taker's Mark. And as we've been started off last week, when we took a look back at No Way Out 2008, where The Undertaker battled Batista uh, and a slew of other SmackDown uh, superstars to earn his uh, ticket to WrestleMania 24 and uh, fight Edge uh, in the main event, we uh, take a look back at the following year, No Way Out 2009 where not a title opportunity is on the line, but the actual championship itself. You had uh, this kicked off the pay-per-view, Edge defending the WWE Championship, uh, because for some reason uh, that I do not remember, Edge was WWE Champion on SmackDown, and John Cena was World Heavyweight Champion on Raw. So Edge defending the WWE Championship inside the Elimination Chamber at No Way Out 2009 against Triple H, The Undertaker, Big Show, Vladimir Kozlov, and Jeff Hardy. Those are the five opponents that Edge would have had to fight to keep his WWE Championship. Um, Edge is pinned almost a couple minutes into the match by Jeff Hardy. Uh, signaling that we will have a new WWE Champion. Uh, So eventually, after uh, multiple men have been eliminated, we get the final two between Triple H and The Undertaker. And it is back and forth um, action. You can see how well Undertaker and Triple H truly gel together in these matches. Uh, the crowd is split, more so in favor of The Undertaker. They wanted The Undertaker to win another championship here. Because, you know, for the past two years, in 2007 and 2008, The Undertaker's championship reigns cut short, either by injury or being, you know, stripped uh, of him by it by Vicky Guerrero, and never getting that opportunity to hold that championship for a long period of time. Uh, So the fans were eager for a long championship reign of The Undertaker. They were eager for him to win it. But of course, Triple H here, he was a babyface on SmackDown. He's feuding with Randy Orton. as Randy Orton is picking apart the McMahon family. Uh, So, you know, there's there's a, you know, fans are torn. They want Triple H, but they want The Undertaker to win. And Undertaker and Triple H do battle against each other for like a good solid 10 minutes after already battling in like a 30-minute chamber. And you just get a glimpse um, into the WrestleMania matches that were coming a couple years later at uh, WrestleMania 27 and 28 of how well The Undertaker and Triple H work against each other uh, because this is really the first time that The Undertaker and Triple H have faced off against each other in any type of match Since 2002, uh, 2002 era, because since 2002, Undertaker was on SmackDown, Triple H was on Raw. And, you know, before, you know, you would get those tag matches where Undertaker and Triple H would tag with each other. 
So you're not really getting the Undertaker and Triple H dynamic. But this is the first time you actually got to see them work against each other here. You know, fine for the championship for the first time in uh, almost six, six, five, six years. So you got a glimpse of to what they can do with each other. And, you know, you get those longer matches at the WrestleManias a couple years from now. But the, the ending, you know, they pull off that WrestleMania 17 spot with a Triple H hammering The Undertaker uh, in the uh, corner turnbuckle and Undertaker reversing it into a last ride. You get uh, Triple H um, reversing a last ride into a pedigree. You know, that's the finish right there. You get the, uh, the tombstone with Triple H just barely getting his foot on the ropes to break the pinfall. It's so much good back and forth action between these two. Uh, the ending after Undertaker is pinned. Uh, you know, Triple H does not celebrate until Undertaker is completely in the back. Uh, Undertaker looks to a Triple H multiple times as signs of respect and Triple H looking back at him. It's a great match. The, f the whole match with the Chamber, uh, with the participants, is uh, a fun match to rewatch. And, of course, those last 10-12 minutes between Undertaker and Triple H, just those two, that makes the match so much better. Their dynamic is, you know, they work so well together. And of course, Elite Series 1 is the actual figure based on this match. So that's the uh, Undertaker figure pairing for this match. And um, of course, later on in the year, in 2009, you would have The Undertaker defeat CM Punk in a Hell in a Cell match to capture the World Heavyweight Championship and have a long, lengthy run as champion until we get to next week's match on Taker's Mark to finish up the Elimination Chamber month here on the podcast as we get to the very first Elimination Chamber pay-per-view uh, with the uh, Elimination Chamber name in the title. The Undertaker defends his World Heavyweight Championship in a chamber against John Morrison, R-Truth, Chris Jericho, CM Punk, and Rey Mysterio. So those are the five opponents that The Undertaker uh, battles next week. And um, that's where his World Heavyweight Championship reign comes to an end by way of a certain heartbreak kid. But until then, let's move on to Buried Alive as we take a weird or what the F piece of Undertaker merchandise, drag it down to hell, and bury it alive. Now you know the story here on Buried Alive. It is one of my favorite segments here on the podcast. Well, it's exactly how I opened up the segment. We just take a weird or what the F piece of Undertaker merchandise totally drag it down to hell and bury it alive onto the ash heap of Undertaker merchandise history. Now last week we talked about the WWF power pens, the Cyclone pen, and I talked about the different types of other pens in the series, one being the tattoos pens. And I talked that last week this was going to be the buried alive 
uh, piece of merchandise this week, and of course it is. It is the tattoos pens, uh, where it says, Make your mark, eight body slamming tattoos. Hey bozo, it writes, can you? Eight tough tattoos, each in a different color. And the eight tattoos you get is an orange WWF attitude symbol, a black Raw is War logo, a green DX logo, two Undertaker logos, you get the purple TX, and a purple uh, Undertaker name, a pink Sable name, a blue Austin 316, and a black The Rock logo. Uh, Undertaker is on the carding uh, because of course you know Undertaker is your most famous superstar with tattoos here so of course he's gonna be the superstar you have um, promoting this pen promoting this tattoos pen and of course on the back is you know that's where we get the uh, buried alive piece of merchandise here because again just like last week with the cyclone pen it's a four-step process and of course, with something being marketed probably to children, a four-step process is three steps too many. Because before you know it, they're going to break it, they're going to get fed up with it, they're going to be tossing it across the room, they're going to be marking on things that are not supposed to be marked on, and it's just going to cause a whole mess of something. So here are the four steps to make your tattoos pen work. One, you open the cover. Well, that's simple enough. Two, you pick a tattoo by turning the dial to check them out first and select them. Okay, um, three, you body press the tattoo against your skin. And four, you snap the cover back. Don't death lock the inks. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's kind of, you know, you have to body press the tattoo against your skin you have to turn a dial, you have to snap the cover back to make the thing stick. It's just, you know, for an adult, it's easy. But this is not marketing towards an adult. You're marketing towards a kid. And that's what you have to take a look at here. Is a kid really gonna turn a dial? Is the kid really going to jam it across into their skin? And are they really gonna snap a cover back to make sure this thing sticks? Most often than not, more than likely, these tattoos were probably smeared on the kid's skin. They probably didn't come out as polished and clean as they show you how the tattoo is supposed to look. And of course, it's a cheap pen. More than likely, these tattoo prints did not come out uh, looking exactly like these anyway. Probably only if you would put them on a piece of paper, not on your skin. Uh, so yeah, it's just an, an odd piece of merchandise, something, you know, just goes back to the fact that I have said multiple times here on this podcast, the WWF marketed the superstars and their logo on basically everything they could possibly think of, from pens to sunglasses to everything else in between, they put the logo on everything. And if you were Stone Cold Steve Austin or The Undertaker, your face and your logo got added to it also. And that's really the marketing um, marketing strategy back then. There was a marketing strategy basically now that they'll market anything, but it's more refined now. 
mostly to just their shop zone. But back in 98, 99, everything was everywhere. And you wanted removable, washable tattoos, you got them. And you got them here in the form of a tattoo pen, which looks, you know, it just looks difficult for a child. And I know that's what it was marketed towards. So the power pens, last week the cyclone pen, this week the tattoos pen, are buried alive onto the ash heap of Undertaker merchandise history. And that finishes up episode 48, our Valentine's Day episode here on the podcast. Make sure to check us out next week where we will finish up the Elimination Chamber month with Elimination Chamber 2010 where we will hopefully have Undertaker uh, figure news from tomorrow's Mattel reveals and hopefully some weekly purchases that hopefully the uh, post uh, brings some fun things for me to talk about and we'll see what the week has in store for the Undertaker himself. So until next week, Creatures of the Night, make sure to check me out here, same Taker time, same Taker channel, and as I say each and every week, Keep on rolling, baby. Until next time. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of Collecting Dead Man. Please continue to subscribe and leave us a five-star review where you can. Follow me on Twitter at CollectUpDead and on Instagram at CollectingDeadMan. Check out my Linktree page so you can find the links to all my merchandise stores where you can find wherever this podcast is available and where you can subscribe to my YouTube channel hit the like button and subscribe there as well. Please continue to support this podcast in any way you can. And until next week, Creatures of the Night, keep on rolling.